Welcome to Marvel News. My name is Sean Gerber, and with me, as always, my faithful co-host who never leaves me, no matter how long I leave him, Mr. Paul Herman. Paul, it's good to talk with you again. Yes, yes, Sean. Uh, as I've, I've told people on Twitter over and over again, he asked me when we're coming back. I said, whenever Sean is is not busy and things are, are, are ready for you to come back and do the show. And I am so happy to be back talking about Marvel because, you know, that when you you brought up on my on my birthday tweet, which, by the way, it was very sweet. It made me very emotional. Happy belated um, birthday, Paul. Thank, thank you, Sean. Um, you know, I, I remember emailing you to talk about, you know, hey, you know, there wasn't a Marvel guy on your show. So I, I'm a big Marvel guy, huge Marvel guy. Love to be on it, and it was a shot in the dark. I never thought someone would give some rando, some uh, you know, out of nowhere, like yeah, sure, come on in. And you, you gave it, you gave me a chance, and opened so many doors for me. And you know, I just want to say thank you, and I'm glad we're we're coming back to talk about what I love, why you brought me here in the first place, right? <laughs> yep, <laughs> we are here to talk about Marvel. That's what we do on a show called yes. Marvel Marvel News. Yes. As shocking as that may be, um, so. Here's what we're going to be doing. This podcast is back. I am carving out the time. It's going to be here weekly, um, and we are going to be going over. We have a specific theme that we're going to start with. So this isn't necessarily going to be breaking down all the latest and greatest news. We'll get to that stuff, but what we are really trying to accomplish over these next several weeks is going on a road to Infinity War. And so like any good road trip, we have a lot of stops along the way. So we are going to revisit every single Marvel Cinematic Universe film uh, between now and Infinity War to make sure that they are all covered. Obviously, we'll have to double up once Black Panther hits theaters on February 16th. But I'm down. aside from that, in between <laughs> now and then, we're going to be covering everything that's already out on Blu-ray, and we know that Thor Ragnarok will be out on Blu-ray by the time we get to it. So <laughs> that'll be uh, super convenient for us. <laughs> so we have 17 uh, films right now. It will be 18 films by the time we're done uh, to go over, and we are going to go in order of release date, not in MCU chronological order, but just in order of these movies being released. So that means that we are going to start with Iron Man, but before we get into all of that fun, we have a little bit of housekeeping. And what we want to announce for you on this episode is that we are now on Patreon. So Woo. that's right. We're finally going to ask you for money. <laughs> so anyway. You're not wrong. <laughs> right. Well, we are, as always, we are just happy enough that you took the time to click on the show. And even if you only played it for three seconds and are no longer listening, that still counts and we're fine with it. Um, but happy enough that you wanted to listen to the show and that you continue to come back and listen to the show because obviously, I mean, you don't really need to because we'll talk about Marvel anyway, but it's nice that you do. Um, but if you also want to contribute to the show to allow us to improve a couple things, like we also are connected to the Marvel website that I have called Marvel Studios News. So we can beef up the website, we can beef up the podcast, maybe even... Uh, provide uh, some funds to do some videos you know that's what you can get that's what we're hoping to do uh by having our listeners support us through patreon and of course we know that nobody's just going to hand us anything if we're not providing a little something extra so if you go to our patreon page which is patreon.com slash marvel studios news 
you can see all of the rewards that we have. So it's going to be exclusive content for Patreon subscribers, uh, for, for our patrons on Patreon. There will be, I guess we're going to call them just because we came up with a name before the show, Patreon credit scenes or post-credit scenes for each of these <laughs> podcasts that we're doing. So there will be bonus episode material uh, depending on the reward level based on your patronage. Uh, you could also be eligible for exclusive whole episodes, uh, Q&A episodes. There will also be opportunities for you to potentially be on the show. Um, so you can check all of those out. Again, that's at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. We do thank you so much for at least considering supporting us on patreon and we thank you even more if you actually do support us on patreon yes. but like we said thank you so much for even clicking and listening to uh, this podcast in the first place so with all that business out of the way let's go ahead and talk some iron man now i want to spend a little bit of time talk before we talk about the movie itself i want to spend some time paul talking about what it was like before this movie came out, because to mm. paint the picture, because I feel like everybody's forgotten this picture or not everybody, but a lot of people have because Marvel is so big and so successful now that people kind of take their success for granted and they just yep. feel like it was always this way. No. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I would get this a lot from, uh, and I'm not to turn this into a DC versus Marvel thing. Sorry, but like it's, I would hear this from fans of the DCEU, and I'm I'm a fan of DC, so like it's not <laughs> it has nothing to do with that. I'm a huge DC fan, but there were fans who would say, "Why is everybody always so skeptical of this universe? Nobody's ever been the, nobody's ever been skeptical like this with Marvel." And I just go, "Oh, how how soon we forget?" Because when Marvel was first coming out and they were making their own movies, people were excited about it, but nobody was ready to hand them the keys to the kingdom and be like, okay, these guys are taking over superhero movies now. You know, nobody would, there wasn't that feeling. And even when these movies came out, as we'll talk about uh, on this show and in other episodes, people didn't just immediately say, oh, yeah, this Avengers plan, like, oh, it's totally going to work. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, you got to realize, I mean, people, and I, Sean obviously knows this is better than I do. But, you know, before Iron Man, you know, I remember just sitting around, I think I was like living with my parents at the time when I was going to school for some, man, it's a long story, but I remember, I think I was at my parents' house and I, I was just on my, on my laptop and I, I saw that Paramount and Marvel team, you know, or Marvel takes a loan out for, to, you know, I forgot how much it was for. It was, it was under like, a billion. It, no, it was 500 it, something million. It was like yeah, 550, yeah. 550, somewhere around there. And it was to finance two movies, Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk, which is why Kevin Feige will tell you Iron Man was an indie film. Like they, Marvel mm -hmm. went and got their own financing and same thing with Incredible Hulk. They were going to finance these two movies. Although Universal it was a or Incredible Hulk was a little different because they already had that relationship with Universal since Universal yeah. had was already coming off of that first Hulk movie from 2003, but Iron Man was obviously something completely different. So it was really more of just a a, a massive independent film mm -hmm. where they they were making the movie and then you know Paramount came on board to uh, to distribute it for them. Yeah, and what's crazy is I remember thinking. Holy crap! This is like revolutionary of what Marvel's doing because mm -hmm. people realize this. What what was collateral was their freaking characters. They were yeah. putting everything on the line. I remember reading this, being like, "Holy crap!" And I'm just like, "What's the Iron Man's the first one?" Like, I mean, 
it was it was it was it's such a you know, now Iron Man is a, is is a household name. Before you know, not Robert, Jr., yeah, not then. I I I was shocked. I mean, I was shocked they were going with. I thought they you know to be honest, Captain Mer- Captain America was a way more recognizable name, and I'm not saying that they should have went with him first, but I was a little surprised they went with Iron Man first. And I just remember thinking, this is huge. And I remember yeah. thinking, I just remember the time wanting so badly to be successful because I'm a huge Marvel fan. And just thinking like, man, this this is like not just on a Marvel lens, you know, on the scope, but like on the whole like movie making like scope and superheroes in general, like what this will mean for Hollywood if this movie is successful in some way. And I, I just it, I just had no idea what Marvel was going to do. It was it was basically the wild, wild west. I mean, honestly. Yeah. I mean, Captain America seemed like the one that would be that would make a lot of sense. Oh, Mainly because Captain America always had rumors about like getting yep. made for yep, years true. and years before Marvel became Marvel Studios and started making their own movies. So, you know, I remember hearing about that. I wasn't there, but I remember hearing about the Marvel panel in 2006 where they they were going and talking about making their own movies. And the first one was going to be Iron Man. And, you know, John Favreau was there. Edgar Wright was there. And they were going to make a Hulk movie. And, and that's that tells you how long some of this stuff was gestating. Edgar Wright was there for Ant-Man in 2006. <laughs> we didn't get a movie until 2015. <laughs> I and remember it, that. And it wasn't yep. directed and by Edgar Wright. Um, <laughs> But, you know, with uh, Captain America, obviously that was a bigger name at the time, and that certainly made uh, that certainly made sense. And Captain America, I remember for the longest time, like, there was always this idea that, like, Brad Pitt was going to play Captain America. I remember that, yeah. Point. I also remember for a very long time, switching over uh, to Iron Man, that Tom Cruise was always like, yep. I don't know if there was ever a negotiation with Tom Cruise or anything at all, or if it was just fan casting the entire time. But I remember hearing that you, same thing. You would always hear that name, Tom Cruise, associated with Iron Man. And I bring up the casting because that is when Iron Man first got my attention. You know, when John Favreau was going to uh, direct, I was like, okay, I like Favreau. Uh, you know, Favreau's cool. But when they cast Robert Downey Jr., that was when I had the idea of, oh, I think they're onto something. Because we all know. Robert Downey Jr.'s struggles with substance abuse. And, of course, we know Tony Stark has his own struggles with that. And, you know, everybody knows Demon in a Bottle and all these these stories from the comics. And I just felt like, wow, like that's that's not an obvious choice. And it seems obvious now, but it wasn't then because Robert Downey Jr. was like, he was that was definitely like in a valley of his acting career. He wasn't anywhere mm-hmm. near the peak, you know, like yep. e- even the stuff that he was doing on TV, like Ally McBeal and all that stuff like that had come and gone. You know, he was I know he had done like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but like Robert Downey Jr. Had, was definitely kind of more on a downturn for his acting career. He was nowhere near being the biggest movie star in the world like he is now. So I remember thinking like. Okay, so they didn't go with the obvious choice, which was a big movie star like Tom Cruise. They actually went with somebody who's just a really good actor. Because I know I, I always loved Robert Downey Jr. and whatever he did, I always thought he was he gave an unbelievable performance. So I was thrilled with that. I liked the idea of kind of art imitating life or life imitating art, whichever way you want to, whatever direction you want to put it in. Yeah. Um, some of Downey's past with some of Tony Stark's past, and it just seemed like something of like, okay, they're really trying to do something different here because all a lot of the choices they were making were unconventional. So that at least had me intrigued. Yeah. It's one of those things where 
I want to say, by the way, the Tom Cruise thing, I want to say at one point Iron Man was with Universal, and that's when the rumors for Tom Cruise were, were really running rampant. I remember at least at, at that time, and I want to say it was like a number of years before uh, Marvel ever got – because I, I know they got the character rights back and because they never made a movie, so therefore they reverted back to uh, Marvel. But that's when I think they were the most – at least as far as uh, – Prevalent, and I think when the Marvel announcer making the movie, th- that came back up again because you figure the the conventional way would be would would spend a lot of money on a movie star like Tom Cruise to get yep. to get you know to get the name to bring him into this world, and I'm not sure if it ever got to that if they even talked to him or tried. You would assume they might have tried, but you know regardless, it doesn't really matter because you know when I heard John Favreau was 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 directing the movie, I'm just kind of like, huh. Because, you know, I just knew John Favreau from Swingers and as, you know, an actor. And I knew and I remember, you know, obviously I did a little research. I'm like, OK, this guy's directed some stuff. And, you know, and I, he, I've always liked John Favreau's acting. So I was like, OK, this is kind of out of the box. He did Zathura, I think, um, that he, right before Iron Man. That kind of uh, maybe. Yeah, I think that was his most recent before Iron Man. He had also done Elf. Obviously. That Elf, and, that's right. Yeah. he directed, uh, I believe he also directed Maid, which was kind of the. Sequel to the semi sequel, exactly. The not a yeah, totally not. different characters in a totally different setting, but basically yeah. a sequel to Swingers. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought the same thing. <laughs> I thought we're on the same, we're on the same wavelength with this one. Yeah. No, but so it was just kind of weird. Yeah, cause I remember he hit, they made Elf, and that was very successful. And I was like, okay, he's obviously done some movies. This is kind of outside the box. Marvel's going with him first, okay. And then when they cast Robert Downey Jr., I thought the same thing you did, Sean. I thought, oh, they're they're trying to you know have art imitate life or life imitate art or whatever. And um, what was by the way is also interesting. They never really touch on that aspect, which is fine. Um, right. But you know, you get, I immediately thought only oh, briefly in the, Iron Man two in one of the worst briefly. scenes in the history of the MCU. Yeah, and it's funny. But we'll because, get to that in a couple episodes well, from now. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the funny thing was that. You know, I immediately – I wasn't against the casting. I, I wasn't like, this is the best thing. I mean, I, I'm not going to say I, I knew it was going to work slam dunk, but I, I remember thinking, huh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And I'll tell you what. I always tell you know, I always tell people I got to see things and move first you know, before I judge them, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and because and it, it can go either way and because and it's burned me in both cases, in, for and against. And I will say this. One of the first things, the first time I saw Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, I, I remember it was him in his tuxedo, and um, he, you know he's all like dressed up all nice, and it was the first. And I remember I seen it on superhero height. I remember I, I was I clicked on it going, oh, first picture of, of Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. I saw it. It blew me away because I went, that's that's he looks exactly like Tony Stark. Like I mean, it was like perfect, and I went okay. He sold me. Just that one picture sold me. I remember it sold me on him. I haven't seen him act. I hadn't seen him move as as Tony, which we'll get into in a little bit here. But that picture sold me on Robert because I knew he was a, like like you said. He's amazing in Chaplin. He's amazing in Zodiac. You know, he's he's great in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which definitely helped revitalize his revitalize his career a little bit. Mm-hmm. Was the movie definitely made him people go, oh yeah, he's not you know a drug addict guy who's, who's down down on his luck. He's actually still got the, you know the chops of a great actor, um, you know, in Zodiac too. So it was just kind of one of those things where I I that one picture I hate this I hate to be that guy, but I was like, yeah, I'm in. I was sold. 
Yeah, I was sold just on the name because I, I had always liked him and just thought that that makes sense to me. Um, and that was what really put Iron Man on the map. I mean, obviously, I was excited about the idea of Marvel owning the rights, just keeping the rights to their characters internally and making their own movies. So that idea was already exciting. But in terms of putting on the map of like, oh, they might actually really pull this off. Robert Downey Jr.'s casting was the first big sign for me, a first big positive sign. And it's funny, I was reading uh, Vanity Fair did like unbelievable coverage on Marvel Studios last month. And they actually had an article about that was all about Iron Man. And there was a a bit from Feige where he was talking about, I don't even, I think he was talking about Downey, but he might've been talking about something else in terms of directors. But, but the, the casting of Downey certainly fits that is that, and I'm paraphrasing here, this is not word for word, but he said something to the effect of, we always want to do, we always want to make the best decision, not necessarily the best announcement. And I was just like, Oh, that's clever. And And that makes a lot of sense. So, but um, but even with that casting, you know, we all have to see things in motion. The first time I saw anything in motion was not the trailer that I believe was released in September of 2007. Was um, the leaked video? Yeah, it was the leaked Comic-Con yes. footage, man. Uh, because I was not at Comic-Con in 2007. I was following along. I couldn't get down there that year, but, like, I was following along, and there were two big stories that year that I can remember. One was all the fake Joker money, dollar bills being handed out (laughs) from the dark night. And then the other thing, because there was a viral marketing campaign and ended up being like the Joker knife pick is what it was famously called from the dark night. But the, the even bigger story that was getting tons of attention was how much everybody there loved the Iron Man footage. And of course it was leaked same day. And it's not like it is now. Obviously the footage still leaks, but that footage would stay up forever in 2007. <laughs> like there were videos that were months old that would have that footage, um, and they would just stay there because at that point, you know, Marvel wasn't being as aggressive about take, getting stuff taken down. Well, number one, they weren't owned by Disney, so that probably helped. Um, but the other thing was like I don't think Marvel minded, especially not early on, because like we're trying to get the word out about this movie, and people are really digging it. So if people are going to watch a crummy bootleg and say they're excited about our movie, who cares? All right, fine. And that was me because I was watching it and I was just like, this is really good. And I I just absolutely loved it. And, you know, the tone of it, it was just so perfect. And then when I saw like when I saw it for real as an actual trailer, which I again, I pretty sure was September of 2007 when they released a trailer for the first time for Iron Man. And I think, uh, you know, I just remember Downey going and delivering lines as Tony Stark. And I just remember the entire everything about it was like oh man this is just this is so perfect and this is so different like there's not there's no other superhero movie out right now that feels like this that sounds like this and i just remember being like this is everything i thought like not not necessarily that i had some specific vision in my head mapped out when i heard that downey was in it but this was definitely kind of like okay this is basically what i believed the potential of a Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man could be. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing it right here, right away in this trailer, you know, because I was obviously being a huge Batman nut and Joker was coming back on the big screen for the first time in 19 years. It was really hard to carve out space in my brain, my attention span, like yeah. anything away from the Dark Knight. Um, but Iron Man was totally doing it. And all of a sudden I had another really big movie to look forward to in 2008 because that trailer kicked ass. Yeah, it, 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 it's so funny because... 
I remember 2008 being such a crazy, and, and the precursor to 2008, like it, it was weird for a big comic book superhero fan like myself, just like it was for you. You're on the other side of being, a, you know, a diehard Batman fan, and you got you have to remember. I mean, I love superheroes, and Batman was always my favorite DC character because he was the only superhero movie we got for like 10, 15 years practically, mm-hmm. right? So I love Batman, and and I remember all the stuff for Dark Knight had me pumped. He's performance in the trailers i mean it i mean i was jacked up but the difference was for me it was like i had iron man and the hulk coming out i'm like holy crap this is, this is nuts right and yep. yeah so the trailers um i remember seeing leaked footage of the iron man suit like being uh filmed mm-hmm. and i was kind of interesting i'm like okay how are they doing this you know and kind of like okay i remember seeing the leaked footage a little bit of the and i remember just thinking they're really doing the original Iron Man origin. I mean, it's not yeah. obviously the country, but this is essentially the same thing. And I'm like, they're being comic book accurate. Yeah. And all they did I, was, you know, put it in a modern setting. You know, yeah, our, no, exactly. the war of our time was in Afghanistan and, and Iraq and Iraq. So it was not in Vietnam. So that's all yeah. they, that's really what they did is just yeah. move the location. But the, yeah. the essence of it is the same. I was I was really surprised they did it. it. I was kind of like, wow. It just kind of it was almost surreal to me a little bit that I was seeing it because mm-hmm. it because it was so comic accurate. The gray suit, you know, and what and what was happening. They're using guns on him and the bolts are ricocheting. You know, I'm like, I can't believe they're. This is like straight up from the comic book, mm-hmm. and it was and it was really encouraging for a fan of it like myself because. I'm like, wow, they're actually, you know, this, this is different. I knew it felt that, that to me was the first sign of like, okay, Marvel's doing something different because they're, they're taking what makes the character, what the essence of what makes that character, keeping it at its core and what makes it, what makes him Iron Man. Yeah. And, and, and they're, and they're just shoving it on the screen. And granted, they take some liberties here and there throughout their 17 films, but for the most part, the, every origin is very, very accurate to the comic book. And, and not always saying that you have to make it always accurate to the comic book to make it interesting, but I always go back to. But you know, it's already it's, interesting in the comic book. Exactly. That, like, that's it's why. It's lasted that long for a reason. Right. You know? Yeah. So it, that to me was the first sign of like they're not embarrassed to tell what happened to these characters in the comic books. And that was huge for me. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. Like I never expected when that movie got announced, I never even thought that I would see the Mark one, like never. I I, I really didn't think that that was going to happen. And then when that popped up in like the footage and the trailer, I was like, well, damn, (laughs) that was, yeah, I was like, that was the, that was maybe the first time it felt like, okay, this is only happening because it's Marvel making this movie. Because, like, any other studio probably would have made one suit, um, you know, and that just would have been it. Like, Tony yeah. would have just got lucky with his first design. <laughs> Mark, you could make Mark V yeah. right off the bat. He, yeah, he would have just... In, in the cave. He would have painted everything. Yeah, just like, yeah, nailed it. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I just don't know that anybody else would have actually done... A Mark One and a Mark Two, you know, working yep. its way to a Mark Three by the end of the movie, and then of course now it's Mark whatever. But you know, like it, that's the thing that's so that was just such a cool touch of like, okay, yeah, this feels very, very Marvel to me right now, and and I'm I'm absolutely loving it. But getting back to the the idea of like other people like not knowing what this was, I'll never forget 
I was working at uh, I was working at a marketing company, and I was going to go. I actually had a meeting with Paramount, and you know because we were going to pitch them stuff, and you know, the stuff that I was going to pitch it, I was like, oh, maybe we should. I was like, it's kind of late in the game because this was in like March of two thousand seven, and I was like, oh, maybe we should pitch some stuff for like Iron Man, and I remember my boss was just like. What's that? <laughs> it's just wow. Like, and at this point, like there were, I mean, there's two months before the movie's out. There were still trailers. Like there was all the stuff like, you know, so part of it was him just being out of touch with movies. But the other part was just like, you know, there wasn't, there still wasn't that high of awareness about, you know, who this character was, what this character was. Um, so now I want to talk a little bit about like the first time we saw it. Do you remember the first time you saw Iron Man? Do you remember what theater you were at? Do you remember who you were mm-hmm. with? Yeah, I remember who I was with. I'm pretty. Uh, that's kind of vague, vaguey a little. I said vaguey. I don't know why I said that. That's cool though. Um, no, it's vaguey. Uh, <laughs> it's vaguey. I'm, I'm stealing myself. I'm still my own word, Sean. Um, so it was in. Sadly, I'm embarrassed about this. I grew up in Lake Stevens, Washington, which is the same place as Chris Pratt. And um, but I, we, I saw it in right across from Lake Stevens, which is Everett, which is the main city. Ugh, I hate that place. Anyway, um, so I, I was I was over there and I saw it with um, my my buddy Ross, I believe. I think it was me and him. And one wh- of the reasons why I remember it so like fondly is it was one of the first movies that um, I remember. You know, you, as we you and I both know, Sean, we, we'd have to see movies at midnight to see them for the first on Thursday, yeah. right? Now. I remember I saw Iron Man at 7 p.m. And, like, I thought that was very interesting because I'm like, oh, it's not at midnight. It's actually at 7 p.m. Mm. That's interesting. And that was one of the first movies. That and uh, Indiana Jones. Was, was Did Indiana Jones come out that same year? Uh, yes, it did. I think it came yeah. out a few weeks later. I think, it was, yeah. I think Indiana Jones was the Memorial Day release that year. Yeah, yeah. So I remember, I remember that I was like, that's weird. They're not doing midnight. And I think that's the last time. I started seeing. Uh, I stopped seeing. Well, no, no I saw Thor and, and Cap. That was a weird thing because Cap and uh, and Thor I had to see at midnight because they weren't they weren't there at um, seven o'clock. But anyway, I remember I saw it at seven o'clock, and super jazz and and a little bit nervous because, you know, I wanted this because because I don't know about you back in the day, and I think when you were a lot, a lot of us are like this. We I was always nervous when superhero oh, movies totally. came out. Because not just because I would like him, because I, I always gave the, these movies the benefit of the doubt. You know, I had no, I had no problems admitting that. I was always wanted other people to be into it and to talk about it. So, and right. I, I always, and like this is where you and I probably studied the box office. You know, how well is it doing, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember just being really nervous, being like, man. This is there's a there's a lot riding on this movie right now and Hulk. I I thought that at the time they were very much, you know, they're tied together. And I thought, you know, one if one did they both did not very well. It was done. Right. And um, I went in and I remember just being blown away how funny it was. And and I know we talk about the Marvel humor, but I can tell you, like I was, I remember. I, I I left I left the theater and I remember being like I loved it because it was superhero it was a great superhero story but I remember how much people like resonated with it afterwards I could feel mm-hmm. it and I remember and this is and this is a testament to like right afterwards with this movie I said to myself I have to take Morgan to see this movie and we were just dating at the time and and my and 
my wife is not into these movies. I dragged her to almost all of them, and I remember her. It's very much she usually just goes eh, and I remember we saw it. Like I, I remember I, I took her, I got out, and I said we have to see this movie. And the next day, I had to take her. I'm like, no, I, I could have saw it by myself. I, I have to take you. I think you would like. It's fun. It's funny. I couldn't believe how funny it was. I just remember thinking how the entertainment value wasn't just the action, which was one of the first times I'd say in a superhero movie that it was really something they, they really worked at getting the audience kind of loosened up a little bit with humor yeah. with Tony and things like that. So that was like, you had humor and there are funny things in these superhero movies, but this is the first one that really went for it. And I, I would say went for drama too, because there's lots of heavy issues in the movie. So it's just one of those things where I was so surprised where they took it from a dra- dramatic and comedic performances and, 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 and writing. So it was, I was blown away. I mean, I, I mean, it was an amazing film because it was the first of of many, and and I knew how important it was. And I remember just leaving the theater like I can't believe how good that was. I never thought I'd get an Iron Man movie that would be that good. Yeah, I I saw it for the very first time. It came out on Friday, May second, two thousand eight. I think I saw it the I saw it on the Saturday. May 3rd because I had I already had a plan that I was going to go see it with my dad and my dad and I we went and watched it and we went to the AMC 14 in Tustin California at a shopping center called the district which I'm pretty sure is still there I don't live near there anymore but that's it I'm pretty sure it's all still there anyway so we went and we watched the movie and you know my dad didn't really know anything of what to expect he knew he liked Robert Downey Jr. but he didn't know a ton about Iron Man and uh but that's also why i wanted to see it with him well a i love my dad but the but b like i also wanted to see because you know my dad that was kind of the thing is my dad and i would go watch the batman movies we you know he would be the one taking me to see those so this was time like i was an adult so i could take my dad and we would go watch the you know go watch this iron man movie and it's the same thing like i couldn't believe how much we were laughing and how good of a time we were having with the movie i mean i had already been laughing at the trailer so it's not like I was completely blindsided by the humor, but it was so funny and it was so well paced. But really the word that I always like to use for Marvel is because it's everybody likes to say, oh, well, it's all about the humor and being light and this and that. And I, and I, I disagree. The, the word for me with Marvel has always been balance. They just know how to balance. They know how to find the right balance for whatever the character is, whatever the story is, um, because... I've, and part of the reason I never had a problem or any kind of beef with Marvel's humor is that I've always found it to be, which, you know, and maybe there are specific instances where I would disagree with a joke or a choice made here or there. But by and large, I've always found the humor to be very, just so organic, like so natural, like in 90s comic book movies and, and even in a lot of stuff in the early early 2000s, they were making a joke. They were really making a joke. <laughs> like they were, it would be campy. It would be like, okay, you're really laying it on. Like when Batman says, "I'll get drive through," like it's just that kind of thing of like, oh, ha ha. You know, there's nothing very natural about it. But Downey and everybody else in there, you know, Favreau, of course, being in the movie, Gwyneth Paltrow. It was all just so the humor was so organic, so natural, and it was so well balanced because, like you said, there was real drama in it too. Like I was worried for Tony Stark when he's stuck in the cave. I mean, that opening scene is incredible, and I love that you know Favreau. You know, initially, like all of that was actually supposed to be linear. Like it starts off in Vegas, and we work our way to Tony going to Afghanistan. But then, you know, later in the game, 
Favreau makes, I don't remember if it was Favreau or Feige or both. I mean, obviously they ultimately both agreed to it to switch, to flip it and have the movie start, uh, you know, have the movie start in Afghanistan, then back to Vegas with how we got to Afghanistan. And I thought that was such a great choice. Yes. You know, they probably borrowed that a bit from Batman Begins, but you know, like they did it certainly in their own way with their own tone, uh, in Mm -hmm. Iron Man. And then throughout, and, and but then throughout everything, like the other thing that caught me by surprise with it is just like the Tony Pepper relationship. Like it was so natural and sweet and not forced because they're not even kissing by the end of the first movie. You know, they're not together mm-hmm. at the end of that movie. Like, yes, there, there's an attraction there, but we've established in this movie that these are two characters that have known each other for, for a very long time. And, you know, obviously Pepper is very aware of all the baggage that comes with Tony Stark. And so like, they're not just going to, cram a ro- you know a complete romance into this like they're going to let that develop on its own later um which is also kind of what they've done with Star Lord and Gamora in the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise like they're letting things develop very naturally very organically and everything about Iron Man like I think Iron Man is one of one of the most perfectly paced films ever because it knows right when to crack a joke, it knows, like it knows right when to be dramatic. It knows right when to have just something that's action packed and cool. Like one of my favorite Marvel action scenes is still uh, Iron Man showing up in Gamera, whooping up on the Ten Rings, and then having to basically have his Top Gun scene uh, with the, evading the F twenty twos. Like all of that in one string of action. Like I just love it so much, and. I remember I knew that there was something to stay for after the credits. Like I, that rumor had already gone out there. Oh, yeah. so like mm-hmm. I knew that Nick Fury was going to show up and, and everything. There was no surprise there for me, um, but I didn't care. Um, but I'll, we'll talk about the post credit scene later. Uh, but I want to, but you know, I just remember all of that when, by the time the movie was over and of course, like they actually really played black Sabbath, Iron Man, when the credits started, which is one of which my favorite, awesome. yeah. favorite rock songs ever. And, so like I remember walking out of that theater, my dad and I just we couldn't help but like just talk about how much fun we just had. Like we just enjoyed ourselves. We just had the best time watching this movie, and it was really eye opening because for for most of my life watching superhero movies, they were they were kind of one thing or the other. They were yes. either they were either dark and gritty or they were campy. You know, it was like Batman Returns or Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Like, that was kind mm-hmm. of your your thing. Like, there wasn't anything that was anywhere near as well-balanced. And that's why I use that word so much. Like, there was never anything that was balanced quite the way uh, that Iron Man was. And that's why I was so impressed by it. And remain impressed for, you know, everything that's gone on with Marvel since. Yeah, it's it's. I think the balance word is perfect. Because I, I just remember thinking... And again, the whole time, like, when is this movie, you know, what are people going to think about this movie, this character that no one knows about? You know, this is not, it doesn't have a lot of star power. I mean, Jeff Bridges is, a, is you know, obviously got star power. And Terrence Howard well, is film fresh ner- off- film nerds love Jeff Bridges, but nobody buys a ticket to be like, you know, your yeah, average no, moviegoer right. isn't like, hey, can I get a ticket for that new Jeff Bridges picture? Like, that doesn't yeah. happen. <laughs> well, right. And But Terrence Howard was fresh yeah. off Hustle and Flow. And, you know. Yeah, he was so, uh, higher paid than than Robert Downey Jr. on yeah. that film. Yeah, and I remember just thinking, you know, how tempting is it going to be for them to, you know, to put this guy in, you know, war machine armor and and then thinking, is that going to happen? And I'm like, next oh. time, baby. Yeah, next time. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it was a fun little nod. Yep. And, 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 you know, it was... It was just one of those things where I just was I, again. I just was so surprised that it like, and I think you summed it up best that like it just wasn't a one or the other movie. It was it was its own 
entity where, you know, Iron Man was the first, I feel, of its kind in a sense to where it, it played by its own rules. It never mm-hmm. – it, it borrowed from before, but it never – I don't think blatantly ripped off anything where it was, you know, trying to be something that it wasn't. It was Iron Man. It was its own thing. And I think that to me was, one of again, one of the most surprising aspects of watching the movie and why I loved it so much. It was like it was – it reminded me of why I loved Marvel Comics because Marvel – and their characters, I always think we're a little more cutting edge than the DC ones. And maybe I'm being biased because I'm I'm obviously a Marvel zombie over DC. Though I love DC characters too now. Um, but as a kid, I just I thought there was always something a little more fascinating with Marvel characters and the storylines and things like that. And I think that it was always hard for me to you know to, to, as a kid explain that to other people, to adults, and to other kids. But obviously the imperfections and 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 Stan Lee's creation of of, of the of the faulted the faulted superhero uh, is what makes the Marvel universe at its core. I think, and it was amazing to see them embrace that with you know you got that with Spider Man in Randy films, but they got it on a, we got it on a totally different scale and a totally different Sam Raimi films are super camp. Like yeah, but yeah, and and, and that's fine, and that and I think again you bring it up, which is not it's, a it's not a criticism. I it, no. I only say that to point out like the difference because I know some people say, it, well, well, super, well, the Sam Raimi Spider Man films were funny, yeah, but not in the way that Iron Man was funny. Right, Iron Man is funny that where it, it it's of it's it's very of its time, and I don't mean that in in a bad way where. It's it was it, it hit it resonated mm. and I think the humor resonated like when Tony makes the MySpace comment. Yeah. I mean it, I mean it's like it's obviously super old but back yeah. then like now kids it are like was, what? Yeah yeah <laughs> like what the fuck is MySpace? What the hell is that phone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's but that's yeah. the thing though it, it's very of its time it embraced embraced the culture of its time mm-hmm. and I feel like you know it took advantage of that. And we got to see why didn't have a tablet before the iPad was out. That's true. And the thing is, I think the those people, the people that, you know, had a hard time connecting with superheroes and, and why, you know, comic books are a hard medium for all these people to get into of the characters and things like that. It was just nice to see someone nice to see someone adapt a comic book, you know, character so well. But yes, but yet modernize it to connect with a mainstream audience. And I think that's what I keep going back to Iron Man. Obviously, is it the best Marvel film? It's 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 a, it definitely can put it in the top five as important, you know, superhero movies ever. And oh, if not, you know, I I I mean, I'll since you teed it up, I'm going to go there. Yeah, um, go, I go for it. I've been arguing for the last few years, actually. Like I wrote an article about it, counting down. Um, this is on I think it was on WhatCulture.com, but like I wrote an article counting down what I thought were the most important superhero movies of all time, and I ended up at that time with Iron Man at number one. And the reason I rank Iron Man number one as the most important superhero film of all time, it, it, to me, it, there's really only two choices: it's the, it's Iron Man or Superman the movie, and I understand why anybody who argues Superman the movie, they're going to be able to argue it successfully because it was the first major superhero movie and obviously you know, continues to have an influence on the genre and 
and inspired so many people who've come to make movies in the genre. And, and even Kevin Feige thinks Superman, the movie is still one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. So, you know, I'm not here to say you're wrong. If you think Superman, the movie is still number one on that list, but I think Iron Man is at worst number two, but for me, but for me, I, I rate, I rate it at number one because look at how many doors this has opened up in the superhero genre. Look at how many characters get movies because of this. And, and remember what we said before, there was so much writing on this. The rights to characters that we now enjoy in the MCU were writing on this movie. So, like, if Iron Man had flopped, the MCU doesn't get to exist <laughs> the way that we see it now. So, and the MCU, yeah. of course, has been such a huge force in the superhero genre and such a huge uh, influence, not just in the superhero genre, but in all kinds of blockbuster movies, for better or for worse. Um, but, you know, we've seen... So, Iron Man, I think, is incredibly important. No, no, yeah. I, to me, Iron Man is probably the probably. I, I, it's hard to. I always think back. It's. I'll be honest. My own personal most important X, uh, movie would probably be X Men two thousand, because that to me what kind of started the the, the steamrolling of of uh, yeah, superhero films. For me, that was the that was the arrival of the superhero genre. Yeah, and that to me was. And again, you could argue. Well, Superman and Iron Man, like they are both respectively. I, I mean, you could like argue make arguments for all you know all of films, but I think X Men for me would be along those lines. But yeah, Iron Man, I just think that it's just it's it's definitely there's been so many amazing Marvel films that I can't believe it's it's gone down in the rankings. But not because it sucks, it's just because it's it's the Marvels up their game. You it's know, still and, the best. I mean, if we're just going by Rotten Tomato score, it's still the highest score. Of any Marvel Studios oh. movie, because uh, yeah. I think it's still at ninety four percent, and I think the best ones. I think there's other like ninety threes or ninety twos, but I don't think there's another ninety four uh, yeah. from Marvel. And I think ninety four is right up there, tied with the uh, Dark Knight. You know, now, and I know obviously Rotten Tomatoes is not the be all end all of reviews, but um, yes. yeah, like Iron Man is obviously it has a huge reputation. A lot of people still consider it one of the best Marvel films. I mean, James Gunn has said many times that he's got Iron Man as one of the best Marvel films that he didn't make. So, like, it's, <laughs> you know, and uh, Iron Man is an incredibly important film. I think the two most important movies, of, you know, for for Marvel are Iron Man and then, of course, the Avengers, you know. Iron, but And, and some people would argue that Avengers is going to be historically more important than Iron Man, and I yeah. I. I understand that same thing with Superman the movie. I understand the argument, but I ultimately disagree with it because so much of the tone of the Avengers is lifted from Iron Man. Because you know, mm-hmm. and we'll talk more about this, you know, in the next episode when we discuss the Incredible Hulk. But think about those two Marvel movies in two thousand eight and how different they are tonally, and yeah. and and that's because you know Marvel made two very separate, distinct movies. And which one got the better response? Iron Man. So they go, okay, like we're going to lean a little more towards this approach, which is not to say, because I know I just opened up that can of worms of oh, all Marvel <laughs> movies are the same and blah, blah, blah. No, they're not. But just in terms of like a general idea, a general range that they want to be in from a tone, not one single specific tone. You know, mm-hmm. Iron Man certainly helped uh, establish that. And the Avengers benefited from it because if Iron Man had not been such a popular character from his first two movies, then there wouldn't, you know, Avengers would have never felt like the event that it did because Iron Man was clearly the heavy hitter, you know, the main event guy going into that film. 
Yeah, and that's the thing that was so amazing to me about about this movie is that it had, you know, I think Marvel took a gigantic risk by doing the tag scene. And now I want people to realize that I can we talk about the tag scene now? Is that okay? We can talk a little bit, but we have to save a lot for our Patreon credit scene. But uh, uh, oh, okay, okay. Um, I guess I guess the way for me is the the. Just for lack of a better word, I guess this is the the guts of of Marvel to to do something like with with Samuel Jackson. You know, I remember they cast Samuel Jackson, mm-hmm. and I kept expecting him to show up as a, as a in the movie the least precursor something. Because I knew there was an end credit scene, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, "Huh, that's weird." They never showed up, and I, and I knew the end credit scene was there, and a lot of people left, and I knew you knew the people who stayed at the very end of the movie. Like, More like the super geeks. Yeah, it's like, you know? y- y'all been on the internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> y'all, either you're, either you're super geeks like me or yeah, you're freaking no, y- internet. Y'all been on yeah. the internet. Y'all got a, y'all got the memo. <laughs> yeah, y'all, we all, it was like, you know, there was probably maybe like six people in a I giant think, theater, too. I, I think, like, yeah, a, I think my theater was the same way. And, yeah. and it was a Saturday showing, so it, it was it was a packed theater when it start when the credits, when the credits started, but by the time it got to the end, and I remember, I actually remember in my screening, like the cleaning crew was just kind of looking at us, like, "What the hell are you guys doing?" <laughs> like, look at everybody still in the theater because even they didn't get it yet. Of just like, "Why are you guys still here?" They're just like standing off to the corner, of the edge of the seats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the thing is the 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 guts of Marvel to yeah. put a big name like Samuel Jackson at the end of the movie. Yeah. Like I mean, and and promote like the Avengers. It's the most guts I've seen with the use of Samuel L. Jackson since Deep Blue Sea. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I just, I just remember thinking, I just couldn't believe Marvel made that movie. Yeah, and you know, and I would, it's 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 a funny thing to say that because I would be saying that for like you know the next ten years essentially. <laughs> I can't believe they made that movie, but in all in, in all seriousness, it was the start of me saying that, and and for good reason. And the fact they hinted towards the Avengers, I just was you know. Again, it was not a guarantee. It was it was going to be successful. I think Marvel. You brought up a good point, Sean. It's like they must have thought in some way that the, either the Iron Man or the Hulk one would resonate with a mainstream audience somewhere, and they'd find the balance. Like you know, if Iron Man would be the one, that's the tone they'd go for. If if the Hulk was that one, they'd go for that one. Mm-hmm. And it, that's I never thought of it like that, but that's kind of what happened. You yeah, know? Yeah. Well, and I think they. Uh, I think they sensed it. I mean, I'm sure when they were putting these two movies together simultaneously, like especially when they were in post, I I would imagine they were doing test screenings and all that stuff all along the way. I'm sure they were, they knew before Iron Man came out that it was probably going to be better liked than the Incredible Hulk, but they definitely didn't know that they, they couldn't have known that for sure. Right. Um, Because that's the other thing is, you know, people, because even Marvel would, you know, Kevin Feige and everybody else, they'll say like, you know, the idea of the Avengers, like, yeah, they they only they only discussed that in 2006 because a fan asked a question. It wasn't this thing of like, oh, we're definitely doing the Avengers. All they wanted to do was make a really good Iron Man movie and make a really good Hulk movie. That's that's what they were trying to do uh, for 2008. You know, and of course, making those movies in 2007. So that's what they were trying to do. And you know, it's, what's really interesting about you know you know kind of the you know but that's kind of the way that marvel's always done it though is they've continued to focus on you know what are we making 
right now. And, you know, and then when you see what, what happens with Iron Man is it has this huge opening weekend, $98.6 million. And I know now we've seen, uh, we've seen opening weekends that are much, much higher, but that was a huge opening in 2008. Like 98.6 was a big opening. Not, it wasn't a record or anything, but actually to date, Iron Man's 98.6 is still the highest, uh, that's still the highest opening weekend for a, a first solo movie for any franchise. That's, that was higher than Thor's, Captain America's. Uh, is, even though it wasn't a solo franchise, it was higher than the first Guardians. Um, the, only, you know, the only first movie in any series that was uh, higher opening was Avengers, but of course that was a team-up, not, like, not a solo film. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think that record will finally fall with Black Panther this year. But wow. you know, that, record has, that record has stood uh, you know, for these 10 years of the MCU, and that should give you some perspective on just how much people really loved and were hyped about Iron Man. And I remember after that opening weekend, then you started hearing a lot more quotes about, oh, you know, remember that little post credit scene? Well, that's because Marvel's planning to do the Avengers. But, you know, if Iron Man hadn't worked, then that never would have happened. And that post credit scene would just be this little footnote in history of like, hey, remember that thing? That was kind of cool, but man, it would have been nice if that happened. But like, it's like it, it's just like Masters of the Universe, a Skeletor, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll be back. No, I'll you won't. Be, no, you won't. Unfortunately, <laughs> which is which is another shame. Yeah. But no, that's that to me is what is so crazy. And also, again, I just the, the guts. The, you, you know, you would later put Tony Stark into the Incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. if you, you know, a few months later. I mean, they had no idea. I, I, Not I even mean, a few Marvel months, had like Incredible Hulk came out like a month and a half after Iron Man. Was it? Yeah, because yeah, it was mid. It was like mid June two thousand eight. Yeah, right. yeah. Iron Man was beginning well, of May. And that's the thing is like you're you're talking about a just uh, just I, they had no, I, I, you know. Feige knew that the, the interconnectivity of the comic books is what always helped guide the you know the the sales of of the comic books superhero you know sales mm-hmm. because the more interconnected you were you would get readers in other books et cetera et cetera but it also became a rite of passage for fans like me who loved to learn about all these different characters and you would learn about them through their books and team ups and whatever and they embraced that idea and but I don't think they quite knew what they were. I, in my opinion, they've had, I don't think they quite knew what they were getting themselves into in a good way. I, oh, I, no, I, I, and they would tell you that, you know, they're not, right. you know, Feige as he's usually pretty humble about it and you know, pretty honest about like, look, yes, like Avengers was like this dream of like, hey, in a perfect world where we get to do everything we want. Yeah, sure. We'll get to that. But like that wasn't the idea of like, oh, yeah, that's definitely what's going to happen. You know, they had to they had to earn that. And that's why they put everything they could into making the best Iron Man movie they could make and the best Incredible Hulk movie that they could make. Box office-wise, only Iron Man was the major hit between the two, but it was a big enough hit that it didn't end up needing to, you know, that even though The Incredible Hulk was just kind of so-so with box office performance, it didn't matter because Iron Man had made enough money to get every, you know, make all, all that money that Marvel had borrowed, basically, all that financing, like, allowed them to pay all that off. And then they, because they had a huge hit, they had a movie that people liked, they really had something that they could build off of. And, and that's the other thing is remember that it was only a year and a few months after the success of Iron Man that Disney bought Marvel, you know, cause Disney bought Marvel in 2009. So, you know, it, I, I'm sure that Iron Man being a hit was, had a, had a lot to do with Disney making this decision of like, Oh, Marvel's making their own movies now and they've made a hit. 
you know, if Marvel didn't have any hits, then Marvel wouldn't have been as valuable to Disney uh, because it would have been like, well, all they, mm-hmm. all their, all their best characters, the X Men and Spider Man, they don't even have the rights to. So, what would we get if we bought them? You know, so like that certainly, and and of course, being part of the Disney family has meant a lot to Marvel, as we'll you know talk about with the Avengers. But getting back a little bit to like the the movie itself, I mean, I just think that you know. Downey's performance, it's just, it's unbelievable. And the other thing is I was on like a, I must've been on a Downey kick this past week because, uh, I spotted and immediately watched Tropic Thunder on Netflix. <laughs> so, because Downey was actually nominated for an Oscar in, well, he's so good in that. He's it was so in, good. You know, that. it was in, well, the, the nomination came in 2009 and obviously the movie was 2008 for his performance in Tropic Thunder. He was actually nominated for best supporting actor, but, and lost to Heath Ledger who had won uh, posthumously for, of course, playing the Joker in The Dark Knight. And, but I, I, I bring that up because I've always felt like with Downey, I, I feel the same way about Downey as I do about Hugh Jackman in that uh, it's probably not going to happen, especially for Hugh now that he's done. And there's no buzz about this happening, but I really want, and I, and I feel like it's deserved. It's not just because, hey, this is his last one. I think the performance is that good. I think Hugh deserves to be nominated for Best Actor for Logan for 2017. And, you know, looking back on it in 2008, I think Downey could have been nominated if 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 lead roles in superhero movies could ever be nominated. Like those are two examples, you know, Hugh Jackman and Logan last year, Downey and Iron Man in 2008. And I hope he gets another, per, you know, another whether it's in these next two Avengers movies or something else where he gets another crack at it, which is not to say he has to be nominated for an Academy Award. But he's really done something special, I think, with this character of Tony Stark. Um you know, and what he, I know people used to compare it to like Johnny Depp turning Jack Sparrow into like a household name for the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. And I'd say, yeah, it's like that, except people didn't get tired of Downey playing Tony Stark. Like, a great point. People yeah. are still like so many movies. You know, he's appeared in several films because, you know, we know he's not just been in Iron Man and Avengers movies. He showed up in The Incredible Hulk. He showed up in Spider-Man Homecoming. He's there in Captain America Civil War, which I also think he's done. He did some of his best work in that film. And a lot of people just overlooked it. Um, you know, he's done such a tremendous job with this character and really opened a lot of doors for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because as Kevin Feige definitely deserves like the lion's share of the credit for overseeing all of this stuff at Marvel Studios. But he wouldn't have even had a lot of the opportunities to do that if, you know, Downey hadn't been just so spot on as Tony Stark. So it's an amazing performance. But, you know, Jeff Bridges was great as Obadiah Stane. You know, my only my only criticism of Iron Man 3 that's of any significance is that I feel like the minute Obadiah Stane jumps in the Ironmonger suit, he becomes a less interesting villain. Like the stuff he yes. And that's not his fault, but like the lines of dialogue that they gave him were just so matter of fact. I'm a bad guy. That, that do you like, remember? Do you remember the, the flash grenade? Ah! I'll never forget that. Dude. <laughs> I'll never forget that for as long as I live. And just yeah. like nobody's gonna forget, like it's a meme of Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps. Like everybody's gonna remember these, you know, moments with Jeff Bridges. But you know, he doesn't really have a lot of great lines. Like you've upgraded your armor. I've made some upgrades of my own (laughs) with like the slowest takeoff in the history of anything. Um, You know, so there's just, there's a little bit of awkwardness, but it doesn't matter. Cause like, it, it's still like, it's still a cool action scene. I still like the Mark three versus the iron monger, you know, suit battle. Like all that's fun. Um, It's just not as, you know, I think the action high point of the movie is, it's kind of tough though, because you have an awesome action sequence with the Mark one and another awesome uh, sequence I talked about before with Gomira 
and then kind of the the top gun chase scene in uh you know kind of like the end of act two so like all of that stuff is so great that like you know a little bit of that act three stuff feels like a tiny bit of a letdown but it comes right back because i'll never forget that moment at the end of the film Uh, i'll never forget i am iron man for you know for as long as i live (laughs) like that that moment because that that was not like a comic book thing like I know that you know Tony Stark had already been known as Iron Man in the comics for a while, but I didn't expect Marvel to jump into that because they were playing so cl- like they were going so classic Iron Man that I was like, oh, okay, cool. And like, and remember, superhero movies up until this point, like they all maintained the idea of the secret identity, like they all did it. You know, Peter Parker was hit; nobody knew he was Spider Man, Bruce Wayne, Batman, all that stuff. Um, you know, the secret identity was still this kind of sacred thing in comic book movies. And Marvel just literally like puts it on a note card and like and tears it up and just throw you know cast it aside at the end of the movie. And I thought it was such a great way of ending that of showing, yes, we have, yes, we're going to do a lot of classic stuff, a lot of classic Marvel things in this. But at the same time, we're going to take things in our own direction. We'll incorporate ideas from modern comics. Like we're not going to be beholden to any one set of ideas on this. We're just going to take the biggest and the best stuff. Um, and now you're along for the ride. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And that, I, again, I think the ideas of, of getting the characters right and, and getting the essence of the character and what makes Tony Stark, you know, Tony Stark, I have to admit, um, I loved Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man as much as anybody else. But I remember leaving thinking, well, that's not the Iron Man from the comic books completely, no. No. which was no. And, you know, and I, and I said it was better. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing that I was really surprised about because again Tony Stark isn't like I'm not saying he's not funny but he's not he's not as as wisecracking as he was as as Robert Downey Robert Downey Jr. plays him because obviously Robert Downey Jr. brings a lot of himself I mean into the two Tony characters Stark. in classic Marvel comics that would be like as quick witted and like snappy and even a little snarky as Tony Stark was in that first Iron Man film. And of course, everything since then would be like, if you go back to like Stan Lee's stuff, Stan Lee did that with Spider-Man yep. and he did that with the thing. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. those are the two, you know, those are the characters, which is actually part of what I liked about Iron Man is in like that Marvel studios humor. It's not that different from what Stan Lee used to do. Like, yeah. you know, that quick witted, you know, snappy kind of humor that he would put in some of those books. Now, obviously, it was like updated. You know, it was a more yeah. modern version of that humor. But, you know, it's not like that. It, by no means was that the amount of humor that uh, Marvel Studios was using, by no means was that something that was not from the comics, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't necessarily, you know, right from what uh, Tony Stark had been doing. Yeah, and I think that to me was such a was such a revelation because, again, they they took the character in a diff, a little bit of different direction, but at the heart of it, he was still the Tony Stark that you know you root for, that finds the error of his ways, becomes the Iron Man, and you 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 love him because he becomes the he becomes that hero that he needs to be, even though he is you know a really sarcastic, funny you know quirky guy. So it, it was one of those things where again they took all the best aspects of the comic books, took their own, a little bit of their own spin, and I mean a little bit because 
again, they brought the humor aspect out a little bit, which I loved. I liked that about the character. And then, like you said, Sean, they took some of the best attributes, and they also put things on its ear. Like, never have we had uh, the the hero of a, or a superhero go in front of the media and announce that he is a superhero. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, again, and I feel like, again, that was Marvel being gutsy, saying, you know what, like, let's just do something different that's going to, you know, end on a, a cliffhanger a little bit to where people are like, if they like, if they're invested in the character and he does something like this, they're going to be like, well, where does this go next? Yeah. And that, it, it, even as a comic book fan, as someone who, again, again, I, and I, and I will, we'll find out in the, as these later uh, things go, I'm not, I've never been and have still not the the biggest Iron Man fan. I love Iron Man, I like the Iron Man character. I, mm. I, I know I knew the Iron Man character growing up. I had a, a Secret Wars action figure of him. I knew he was Tony Stark. Yeah. You know, all that jazz. I watched but the I, animated show on UPN. Oh yeah, dude, I, <laughs> dude, with the dude. Force works with Century and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye. Which, by the way, in the second season when they disappeared, I was so disappointed. Um, and I have those on DVD too. Uh, and the Fantastic Four cartoon, the second season was great. The first yeah. season, uh, anyway. But the thing is, it was tough. I yeah yeah. So but the <laughs> thing is, with with with, I knew that Tony Stark was publicly Iron Man and not publicly Iron Man, and the fact they went that the first route, I was like, I can't believe they did that first thing. Yeah, I can't believe it did it. And which then obviously Spider Man Homecoming borrows that. You know, with the Aunt May scene uh, later on, which right. is again, which is great because it leaves you like, oh my gosh! Like it, again, you leave the audience not on a cliffhanger like Empire Strikes Back or something like that, but you but still like, on, oh my god, I want to see the very next second of that. Yeah, exactly. You want to see what exactly is the fallout with the fact that this guy admits that he's a superhero because again, it's different. And I think Marvel, again, going back to the fact that Marvel embraces or embraced this different idea of what you They kind of took the idea of here's a typical superhero movie and we're going to like twist it around and mold it. And we're and then we're going to do something a lot different with it. And I feel like even though it wasn't like cutting edge, it did something so different that it resonated with an audience and they found, they kind of found uh, what's the, they hit gold in a sense to where not only was the movie really well received and, and, and a giant hit, but they realize they tapped into the psyche of the mainstream audience and knowing what exactly they want from a superhero movie, and they were able to do it and give us different vibes of it, for, you know, throughout. But they had the blue, they had a blueprint. They still have the blueprint. Yeah, you know, I mean, they they are kind of they are the tastemaker in superhero movies. Like people like what Marvel does. <laughs> you know, like you know, Marvel has kind of cultivated you know the audience to which is not to say we anybody's been brainwashed but like they've just delivered this thing that people really really liked and they've just they found it like they struck the right chord with an audience and now they know how to play that like and they know they know how to switch that up you know how to continue to surprise the audience like that i am iron man moment because again like everything was about secret identities and now we're like okay the the sequel to this movie we're now going to have this superhero like out in the open and by the way he was already a super famous guy before he even admitted that he was a superhero so like it's just that level of you know a celebrity superhero which goes which dates back to marvel comics from fantastic 4 like they were celebrities and people knew that it was reed richards and everything so you know to see that coming forward with iron man he, um you know that was kind of some a lot of new territory, and even though the humor and uh, the comics have basically you know morphed into the RDJ 
Tony Stark to to match what people are seeing on the big screen. Although even the com, as good as these comic book writers are, they can't keep up with Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> like they just yeah. can't. Um, but like the what I still love about it is that it's still very true to the character in terms of the absolutely. Essence of, what is this character is about? What is he dealing with? Because if we look at like the deeper kind of thematic through line for Tony Stark in this movie, and of course as we track him throughout the MCU, is this idea of responsibility. You know, this idea of here's the guy who didn't give a shit about anything or anyone other than himself. He was just out for his own good time, and he was you know he all he got to do was work at his work at his dad's company build his name up, continually prove to everybody just how smart he is while at the same time having access to, you know, thir- you know what, 12 out of 13 Maxim cover models because March had a scheduling conflict and December was twins. So, like, he had, you know, the dude's got the life and at the same time like this. and But then when he realizes, like, this is what your name's on, you know, your name is on this thing that people are using to, that it's not just about the military and protecting freedom and these American ideals. Like, no, your, your weapons are being sold elsewhere and they're using, they're being used to hurt innocent people. And him kind of having that 180 and realizing that he has to take responsibility for himself, take responsibility for his name and his legacy. And we see the way, and that's, by the way, that doesn't fix Tony Stark. Like he's not fixed at the end of this movie. He thinks he is, but he's going to find out that he's not. And he's going to, that he's going to be reminded of that as we go on in the MCU. But I think having that central theme to the character, cause that still goes back to the original Iron Man. He was this warmonger and, that didn't seem like such a bad thing, but then, you know, that certainly wouldn't have seemed like a bad thing in, you know, World War II era. But, you know, of course, with Iron Man emerging more in the Vietnam era, like that became more of this trouble that became a much more problematic idea. And then, you know, so that idea of Tony Stark having to take responsibility for himself, for his name, his legacy, like that was all all of that is at the core of Iron Man and has been there all along. So I think, and that's where Marvel really nails it is that they know they can change things up with characters and they can freshen certain things and go in directions that are maybe a little bit new or stretching characters out. You know, like Tony maybe had a sense of humor in the comics, but certainly didn't have what he's got in the MCU. So they stretch that out. But at the, at their core, these characters are still the same people. And I think that's what Marvel really understands is because, and I think it's one of the hardest things to do in comic book movies is how do you adapt these things in a way that makes the people who already love these characters feel satisfied and feel like they're getting a complete interpretation while at the same time opening these characters up and making them accessible to most of the moviegoers who have no idea who these characters are and going back to that word of balance marvel strikes that balance just perfectly of here's the core essence of the character here's what this character is about we're going to make sure that's in here but we're also going to go ahead and give you know leave a few doors open for some other people who don't know this character to come in and get to know him and then they they will also pick up on these things that comic book fans already know yeah it's I really, you know, again, I, I can't I second everything you're saying because these characters are so specific and you, you have the baggage, and I say baggage, of fans' expectations and what they want from them. 
even though it's it's not as even close to as big as it is now, you still have that and you still want to satisfy that core audience because, you know, they will come in and watch the movie multiple times like myself. Um, I saw I want to say I saw it. At three times that, or was it three? I saw the movie three times in the theater total. Saw it twice the weekend, as uh, that weekend, and I saw it the next week. You know, as a fan, because I loved it. Because I, even though I wasn't this giant Iron Man fan, I still had a, a, a number of the comic books that I collected here and there. Yeah, and I was I having still too liked. good of a time to stop going. Like, it was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, and that's the thing is like, you know, it it, it satisfied that Marvel aspect of me, but it. it even more was this a great movie mm-hmm. and i think that when you combine those two things superhero movies are hard to, to, to stop when you make you nail the essence of the characters that that make them you know the, the, the reason why they've resonated at that point for 30 plus years or whatever mm-hmm. you know 40 40 years and then you make a great movie on top of that 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 could have been about anything yeah, and you know, and that's really Iron Man could have been a totally different character, and it would have been successful. I mean, in my opinion, but the fact that it brought in the character of Iron Man, em- embraced those aspects, it's it was just a great movie. And I think that you know, when you when you marry those two things together, Marvel's unstoppable. I re- and it, it, it's true. And I, I hate saying that because I love DC films, I love you know other franchises, but Marvel is hard to beat when they can nail those things, and they've well, they've done it I mean, more often than not. Yeah, I mean they've not been stopped, so yeah, that that fits the well, definition of unstoppable. So yeah, well, you're yeah. not you're you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just think with you know with Iron Man, it, it it was just a special movie, and going to that that idea again of this was the year of this was a as a batman fan 2008 was a huge year for me because i actually was a joker fan first and that's what made me a batman fan so the and joker of course had been gone since you know jack nicholson played from live action anyway obviously i loved mark hamill in the animated series but joker had been gone from live action you know since 1989 and so 2000 like you know i was just shy of my sixth birthday when I got to see a Joker on the big screen. And so now I was heading into my 25th birthday to watch the Joker again. So the dark Knight uh, was a huge deal for me that year. And of course it still is. I love that movie to death, but that was a year where like I would have thought the only thing I would have cared about as much as I love Marvel and DC and other characters, like the only thing I, I was, I was ready to have a one track mind in 2008 of uh the dark knight and i and initially when iron man was announced i was like oh hopefully that'll be a nice little distraction to like make the wait not feel as long for dark knight but then after seeing the trailer and you know the build-up to it and then finally seeing the film like it was its own main event right alongside the dark knight in 2008 and i I loved it i couldn't believe just how great of a time i had watching the movie and it wasn't just about having a good time like you said paul it was a legitimately great movie it's a very well-made well-crafted uh, movie that that is also a story that is beautifully told so i really have you know i have like i said i mean i threw out some criticisms but it's really not much i mean i i, I love it so um i am curious so like I, we've spent most of our time talking about like first impressions and we've given a little sense of history on it you know when you watch it now does it hold up for you on the same level that, you know, is it on that same level as it was in 2008 or has it come, come maybe a little bit back down to earth, you know, since then, you know, how do you, how do you feel about it now? Maybe compared to 2008. 
Well, I mean, now it's, I still, I don't think it's a bad movie now, but to me, there's just so much more. I mean, it's not in my top five anymore. It used to be in there, but as he's, as Marvel keeps pumping out amazing superhero movies, um, you know, it, it makes me, it just keeps going down the line. I don't think it's, I don't think it's bad. I think like you said, the third act kind of suffers the most. And I think that it it definitely gets a little there's a couple of parts where it gets a little slow, I think now, because as I'm so used to so you know, just being ADD or whatever, just like it's not as thrilling maybe as it, as these other films are, because again, Marvel keeps banging out these great films. So it's I don't I hate saying it doesn't hold up as well now, because that's just it again, it's just a a product of the time of what's come afterwards and things like that. It's hard for me to say it doesn't hold up as well. Now I still think that's why I'd say it's an important film. And when I watch it, I'm like, man, it's, it's still really good, but it's not, it's not something that I'm like, I have to rewatch Iron Man again. Like, and I don't feel like I have to revisit it on a regular basis compared to when I talk about Thor or Captain America, which we'll get to those films later. Um, but Iron Man just doesn't quite – I mean, I, I, I look forward to watching it at some point, but it doesn't quite – doesn't have that drive for me to watch it as the other as some of the other Marvel films do. Um, it's not at the top of my list in terms of the Marvel movies that I watch – that I rewatch the most, but it's up there because I do think this is still one of the most rewatchable movies. I don't have this – It I certainly don't have any less of an opinion about Iron Man, just strictly the film itself. I have no less of an opinion now than I did in 2008. I I loved it then. I love it now. I don't have any new criticisms now that I didn't have in 2008. So the stuff I loved, I I still love it just as much. The stuff I don't like, it's still the same stuff. And it's not, I don't like, all of a sudden, it's not like this one of those, because that sometimes does happen with superhero movies is, when they do have flaws or I mean, they all have flaws, but like there are flaws that I, things that I don't like about them. And those things just bother me more and more, the more I watch it. Um, that ha- doesn't really happen with Iron Man. Those things like those cracks, like they don't get any bigger. Like <laughs> They just stay right where they are. Um, and I just continue to focus on the stuff that I love. Cause I do think this is a very, very rewatchable movie. Do I start losing, uh, maybe a little bit of focus on it in the third act? Maybe, but yeah. those first two acts, it, it, it has like a hundred percent of my attention. Yeah, um, yeah. But even then, on th- I'm still making it through all the way, and then I I snap back to it as soon as I know it's it's about time. Even though I know what he's going to say, I'm still there every time for I Am mm-hmm. Iron Man. <laughs> it's like yep. it just takes me, it just takes me right back to that theater. You know, seeing that moment for the first time, I'm just transported right back to that moment in my life. And um, but. My uh, my overall appreciation for the film has actually Im- that actually has improved. You know, from a historical point of view, as I said, you know, writing an article about you know calling you know for my argument, making the case for why it's the most important superhero movie of all time. Um, I think it will always be one of the most important superhero movies Absolutely. of all time. It is a pivotal moment in the history of this genre that I love so much, and you know, it's it's funny because. You know, yes, there was that part of, uh, you know, in 2000, X-Men was was an arrival for me because it was like, OK, like growing up, like I loved Marvel and DC pretty much equally, although I mainly but DC was largely propped up by Batman. And even though I liked I mean, I loved other characters, I loved Green Lantern and Superman and Flash, but 
you know, my very next favorite superhero after Batman was the Hulk. So actually, you know, that was the other thing with Iron Man is that I should have been more excited about Hulk that year, but I was more excited about Iron Man because of how good Iron Man looked. Um, and, but that doesn't mean I didn't like Hulk. We'll talk about it next, on the next show. But, um, you know, like I always loved Marvel, but I always understood, like, cause I had, when I was reading Marvel comics, I watched every animated show and whether it was from the, you know, the sixties, the eighties or the nineties for the, an- the various animated series from Marvel characters. Um, I had my secret wars action figures. I was also huge on the toy biz action figures from like the late eighties and through the early nineties. I pretty much had them all. Um, so I was very into Marvel, but it was that thing of I know why I know why this doesn't exist yet. Like I'd be reading Wizard magazines, uh, and they would always be like fantasy casting Marvel movies every month. Yep. <laughs> and I would always know, like, yeah, but it's not going to happen because, like, you know, like I knew enough at that point about special effects to be like, they're not going to look good enough. That's why. That's why there's not Spider Man right now. That's why there's no Hulk movie right now. Like, eventually, it's going to get there. And it did. So, like, the early 2000s was definitely, you know, and X-Men was, like, the signal of, like, yes, this is coming. But those movies, as much as I adore the first two X-Men films, the first two Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, you know, and I even have a special place in my heart, even though I know it's not necessarily a great movie for that Ang Lee Hulk in 2003. And we'll talk more about that on the next oh, show. Lord. Like, I, you know, there were certain things, that like, you know, that I enjoyed. But when it was over, no, but the Marvel, <laughs> well, just in general with those movies, but like the MCU yeah, has been the thing that really captured the essence of what I was dreaming about without knowing that this is what I was dreaming about. But like what mm-hmm. I was dreaming about when I was sitting on the floor in my own bedroom playing with my action figures and there were no limits to what was possible with them and the stories that could be told. You know, I just knew who these characters were because I had read their stories and I could just go from there. And, you know, that's what the MCU has largely represented. And it's been allowed to do that. It's been allowed to exist largely because Iron Man was the success that it was. And Iron Man and Iron Man was successful, not because everybody knew that Iron Man was going to be successful, not because everybody knew what Iron Man was and had been waiting all their lives for an Iron Man movie. It didn't have that like Superman did or like maybe, you know, maybe like Batman did. Iron Man, it succeeded the way, the way that you would hope, which is truly on, the strength, on its own merits, you know, just because it was just really freaking good. And that's why Iron Man was such a success, and that's why we have the MCU. So Iron Man, I, I, I can't say, I can't speak highly enough about Iron Man historically. And I think you, you know, you'd be really hard pressed to come up with any, you know, with very many arguments against it other than, like I said, if you want to go historical significance, yeah, you can maybe give an edge to Superman the movie and I won't fight you about it. But Iron Man is so huge and it was such an incredible moment in the history of the superhero genre. So, and and one that I'll never forget. Yep. Game changer, man. It was, it's, it changed the landscape of superhero films it changed man it just it changed me as a superhero fan as a marvel fan i realized that they tapped into something that they had never that you know these characters are going to tap into a to the mainstream like they never have before and man it was it, i was i was blown away the fact that iron man is is as well known as any other superhero ever now and will always will be and it's crazy. It all started with this one film. Yep. That's how it all started. It all started mm-hmm. with Iron Man. It all started in Afghanistan, believe it or not. 
So uh, that is where we will start rolling the credits. But remember, for those of you subscribing on Patreon, there will be a Patreon credit scene. Uh, so we'll be so there will be more content for this show if you subscribe on Patreon, which you can do at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. Not Marvel News. Marvel Studios News is the Patreon page because it's also affiliated with the website that I run. And speaking of that, you can visit marvelstudiosnews.com where I write every single day about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and keep you up to date on all the latest headlines and give my share my thoughts, my perspective on that. Um, and if you want to follow us on social media, Paul, where can everybody keep up with you? You can keep up with me on Twitter at Herman with 22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Come hit me up. And you can find, well, you can find this show on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. You can find it on Facebook, facebook.com slash Marvel Studios News. Again, affiliated with that website that you should be visiting every day. Um, and clicking on ads, please. Uh, but no, <laughs> you can, uh, but anyway, you can find me personally on Twitter. On It's at Mr. Sean Gerber, Sean spell S-E-A-N. You can also find me on Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. And if you want to watch me talk about superheroes instead of just listening, you can do that on the superhero news youtube channel just search superhero news you'll find it and you can subscribe there and you can see me talk about well dc as well but a lot there's plenty of marvel talk on there so you can check that out um so that is where the final credits will roll on this episode and for those of you subscribing on patreon thank you very much and we'll see you in just a moment 